Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. Uh, welcome to In Conversations with Changemakers, another opportunity for us to have a conversation with individuals that have significant impact uh, in the local communities where they serve, their local businesses uh, and organisations. So today, I'm delighted uh, to have uh, someone I consider to be a friend and a colleague <laughs> uh, join us today, Murray Herbst, um, who is the Director of Entrepreneurship for UTS. Hello, Murray. Hello. You just made me feel very nice about myself. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, bless you, Rory. Yeah, I consider you a friend as well. Yeah, no, so it's it, it, well, we've known it must be a good best part of 10 years, Murray, when I when I first met you uh, when you were the GM at Fishburners. Um, so I'll start there, actually. I don't know if you know they, that's when we first uh, had the opportunity to work together. And I'm not sure if that was your first introduction into the startup community, Murray, or if it's something that you had in our life before then. I, I did, uh, and uh, so basically I started a company when I was 16. Uh, it was blocking advertising on the net. I liked writing software. I was a bit of a nerd. Uh, and people started paying for it. It was terrible software back then, but when people are paying money for something, you have a reason to make it better. Uh, and that company ran for 14 years, uh, peak of uh, 100 million active users. And uh, I never thought of it as a startup um, because back then, like 98 uh, in Australia, there wasn't a, a kind of startup scene. Um, and I just remember uh, becoming aware of fish burners and walking in and going, oh, wow, there's people like me around here that are sitting on their computers and, and running companies that deal with customers around the world. And that was nice. Mm. Uh, this, this kind of shock of not being alone, uh, which for a long time before then I was. I was sitting in a bedroom, uh, little home office thing, uh, that dealing with people around the world uh, and now being introduced to this world where, no, there are people uh, working together in Sydney and Sydney has more and more and more people like this running interesting startups. It was mm. amazing. Oh, I didn't realise that. Right. So, but, so you felt included? Yeah, felt a bit normal. Yeah. So did you did you walk in and just hand in your, your resume then, uh, uh, Murray? Or <laughs> the I signed steps? up. Yeah. Uh, I signed up as a member. Was working from there for a while. Uh, got uh, elected by the community onto the board, and then uh, they needed a new GM in a hurry. And I said, I'll do that. Um, and uh, it was a, a really fun time. Yeah. Brilliant. So then. And you, you would remember this as well, Lily. Sorry to uh, no, dive no, no. in, but um, back then. Uh, that kind of splash of uh, fish burners and River City Labs and all the other places mm -hmm. that were opening up around Australia at the time um, was interesting. Like it was a, a different way of looking at Australia. And um, some people will say, oh, no, we've always been doing companies like that. This was different in the number of those kind of tech enabled companies starting uh, growing, working together, the visibility of it, <clears throat> uh, the amount of venture capital starting to come into existence. Um, it was an interesting time, tw kind of 2012 onwards mm. in the transformation of Australia. Mm. Yeah, it, it's true. And, it, and it's, uh, it hasn't always been that way. And it's easy. When you think now, you know, the growth of fish burners and, you know, different locations here and, and internationally, you, you, you know, you just didn't see that sort of thing back then. Um, mm. Yeah, um, but I guess you know what was it during your time at Fishburn, uh, Murray, that you you know you co-founded Startup Master. What 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 led you to that? Yeah, uh, that was uh, 
Startup Ons was starting to do things around uh, 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and that was good. The kind of growing advocacy for here's tech-enabled companies and we need mm-hmm. more of those and here's the things they can do. Uh, but there was always a kind of shortage of data mm-hmm. uh, and people would be asking, you know, what kind of startups do we have? What impact are they having? What challenges are they facing? And the kind of supporting data to answer those questions wasn't fantastic. Uh, so I just thought, bugger it, let's, uh, excuse my language, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I um, uh, funded the first two years by myself. And then I was lucky enough to get Google and Department of Industry, Innovation and Science support for the next three years. Uh, and for five years, it was the largest survey of Australian startups. And it's been interesting because uh, just collecting and publishing that kind of data since then, uh, so the number of people that have come to me and said, my incubator was based on uh, basically a proposal that used startup muster kind of references or my mm-hmm. government grants program or my VC fund that was focused on a certain niche, or I thought about locating my company in Australia because of what I could see in the startup muster reports. Mm-hmm. There is hundreds of millions of dollars uh, of kind of support for the ecosystem that I think can be in part attributed to what startup muster was doing. Fantastic. So uh, mission accomplished in terms of uh, just a public benefit uh, thing that if you have good data, you can make good decisions. Yeah, and then I've recently spoken with uh, Dr. Ian Opperman, and he wouldn't, you know, couldn't agree with you more on that on that side of things, Murray. Uh, so oh, Mr. Data, Mr. Data himself, Mr. Analytics. Uh, so, is there an ongoing role for Startup Master? Uh, yeah, I think there's the funding has not been there for the last two years. I continue yeah. to work on figuring out how to bring that back. I think now more than ever, we need to know what's happening in the ecosystem, how many uh, incubators are in trouble or disappearing, how many accelerators attached to corporate kind of innovation budgets have disappeared, uh, and this what is out there now and what support do they need. Right. Well, a big shout, yeah, a big shout out there then to any potential funders. Uh, Murray Herbst, his name is. <laughs> You'll yeah, know him already, no doubt. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess, I mean, this leads into my next question then in regards to, you know, some of the, what the, the biggest challenge, challenges are in regards to understanding the, the depth and breadth of the startup landscape, you know, because, you know, it's that, I mean, I guess that's the premise of, uh, you know, part of the premise of Startup Master. Well, this is the thing. Australia has different kinds of startups. Mm. Uh, and I think it should have different kinds of startups. If we're just looking at Silicon Valley and saying, how do we do that here? That's completely uh, disregarding the kind of uh, competitive advantages that Australia has uh, that will allow companies to grow here that won't automatically grow somewhere else and will keep those companies here as well so that they can, there's some retained benefit for Australia. Mm. I think we'd need to spend a lot more time thinking about what are the uh, kind of case studies we can look at of successful entrepreneurs over the last 10 years in Australia, Mm. and you would be able to name a lot of them, but um, understanding what those companies are and why they were able to start in Australia, I Mm. think is critical if we want more of those kind of Australia appropriate technology enabled companies. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And so how, I was going to say, how easy is it, no, they're making an assumption it's easy, how easy is it or challenging is it for a startup in Australia to be successful obtaining the sort of information and support they need to be successful 
Uh, okay. Uh, define success. Oh, good question. Good question. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to guess it. Okay. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, it, it, it's 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 an appropriate response because you know how do they define success? Is it about funding? I mean, that seems to be you know a, a big sort of metric that a lot of startups uh, define success by. Uh, is it funding? Mm. Well, okay, this is where it gets tricky. Thank you yeah. for um, answering my question back. <laughs> um, think of it like this. I think as soon as you're going down the VC path, mm. you need to have returns for your company that make sense for a VC. Yeah. So you, by taking that pathway, which is a legitimate, wonderful pathway, mm. you have to have a return that accounts for all the other early stage investments of that VC not working out. Mm. So that's fine. Uh, and I, I think that puts you on a, a different kind of growth pathway yourself than you would otherwise be comfortable with. Mm. Uh, I've been looking at uh, uh, a lot of uh, the old fish bonus companies from five years ago, Mm. uh, of which there was like 900. Uh, There's a really surprising proportion that is still running um, and having different levels of success for themselves. Uh, They're probably not making the newspaper, but uh, they're making more than those people could from this normal employment and Mm. working in a way that they get to work uh, how they want, when they want, where they want. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get to work on things that they care about. They get to solve problems that matter to them. Uh, they get to kind of just basically have a different uh, approach to how they work in the world that entrepreneurs only get to have. Yeah. Um, and I'd say that is successful to some extent. And I'd say probably more successful than they would have been as just normal employees within a large company. Mm. Um, so I'd say, how hard is it to be successful in Australia? Um, hard, mm. um, but probably not as hard as people might think. Yeah, depending on how they're defining success. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, Mo, talk to me about your, your role as uh, Director of Entrepreneurship uh, uh, for, for UTS. Uh, are there a lot of entrepreneurs? I mean, it's just, uh, where do you find them? They find you? I mean, tell me. Okay, I'm going to tell you your secret. Yeah. Um, please don't tell anyone. Uh, <laughs> anyone watching, between please the, don't tell anyone. Between the two of us. <laughs> exactly. I have the easiest job in the world um, at UTS because we have incredibly entrepreneurial students. Right. There is a different kind of person that comes to UTS mm-hmm. uh, versus other universities. Mm-hmm. Uh, And, for example, we did a survey uh, just before I started there of uh, the student body and 40% were saying they wanted to start or join a a tech startup as their preferred kind of pathway to employment, 40%. Wow. Wow. Uh, And I think that's probably higher today, especially in the pandemic. Um, The work we do there is about trying to encourage that enthusiasm so people feel comfortable in taking that step as a a technology-enabled entrepreneur. And then supporting all those people that start something to continue what they start and find what they need and kind of grow that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not a normal accelerator program. It's about basically uh, putting people on a different pathway to what they signed up for. So if you're a midwifery student, for example, that's fantastic. But are there things that you discover in the course of studying that mm. um, that you can kind of take a device that solves a problem and commercialize that or Mm. do something else that is uh, different to a normal graduate pathway. Mm. Uh, When I joined, there were 36 active startups there that we could find. Uh, There's now 350 active student launch startups that we're supporting. Um, So it's working. Uh, the, The students are responding well to it. 
uh, those startups are going well. And uh, I just feel good that uh, I'll end my spiel in a second. Um, <laughs> that a university can do more than just create job-ready graduates and productivity-boosting research, yeah. uh, which I think most universities would argue they do. They need to create the third leg of that, which is entrepreneurs to create the jobs for the graduates and to disseminate those new innovations around the place. I love that. Um, it's, you can't just have a commercialization office that sends things out into the world. I think there's a more sophisticated approach of getting a lot of entrepreneurs to take things into the world as well. I love that. And I think the, the, the point I take away from that, uh, Murray, is presenting that as an, op, you know, as an option. Um, when, I, when, I, when I think back to, to my education, you know, the options that were presented back then were very limited. Uh, you know, you're either going to be an accountant, a doctor. Uh, uh, so, yeah, it, it's, yeah, entrepreneur, to, that to be an option, fantastic. This is, this is what we do to people. Um, education in Australia is fantastic. Mm. Um, but it also, uh, without trying to, funnels people towards certain choices. Mm. But you, you achieve an ATAR, you don't want to waste the ATAR, mm. so you look at what can I get into or what might I be able to get into, what does it pay, uh, talk to a couple of people, go to a careers fair and, and uh, career advisor and then do the best you can. Um, no one is saying you need a really high ATAR to be an entrepreneur, to create your own job and create, you know, a billion dollar companies or a smaller company that's still really impactful. Um, and so we're, we're trying to fix that, but uh, uh, obviously a little bit late in the process. Uh, I'd love to see more being done in high schools, uh, primary schools around Australia to make this a more normal thing than it is today. Yeah, fantastic. But any, are you doing programs with, with schools at that sort of level, Murray? Is that something that's on the, the roadmap for you? Uh, we are, uh, but on a small scale. I'd yeah. love to be doing a much larger scale. Yeah. And there's other people doing uh, work in that area, but um, I'd love to see something that's kind of baked into uh, curriculum in Australia. There's yeah. some interesting things in South Australia um, and, and other pockets around the place, but I think we're in a pandemic. Mm. Uh, we need new jobs created and mm. high paying jobs created. Mm. Uh, entrepreneurs create new jobs and they disseminate innovations and boost the productivity of mm. existing companies and all the good things that they do. If ever there was a time for Australia to say, yes, we recognize the need for more entrepreneurs and people out there that's doing things for themselves, now is the time. And simultaneously, technology is making it possible to create solutions that weren't possible before for one person on a laptop in yeah. uh, Bathurst or wherever else, and to distribute that solution to the world at zero cost potentially as well, um, and to do it during a lockdown uh, in a pandemic. So maybe now's the time to be doing it. Have you, have you seen any good examples of, um, you know, other countries around the world, uh, Murray, that, that, that have good, you know, programs built into the school curriculum um, that, that, you know, you know, around entrepreneurship? So, yeah, so that's a word they learn at a young age or understand at a young age. There's, there's a multitude. And I yeah. think the whatever you want to find, you'll be able to find somewhere in the world. Yeah. The tricky part is uh, entrepreneurial self-efficacy. Mm. So the kind of confidence of entrepreneurs. Mm. Uh, and we've got some wonderful research at UTS from Martin Blemel and others that shows as you learn about being an entrepreneur, you want to be one less. <laughs> <laughs> so for anyone watching, that's a takeaway from this as well. But um, 
if you say, I'm going to read all these books and then think about starting my own startup, you, you might get halfway through the books, but you probably won't do anything with it. Uh, I much prefer people actually starting something and learning as they, they do, go, yeah. because then you yeah. have a reason to learn. Uh, you're not going to be good on day one. You'll make yeah. a lot of mistakes. But if you limit your kind of exposure in the risks that you take, I think that's a much better way to learn through practically trying things and learning what you need rather than trying to educate a lot of people and hoping that changes behavior, which I think is um, not the way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm just getting conscious of time, Murray. So I'm just going to ask you this question. What, what's the one piece of advice that you'd give an entrepreneur looking to, to scale their, their, their startup? Oh, well, this is the thing. I think as soon as they're on that pathway, you're making money from something and you mm. can make some more money or you're having impact from something and you want to have more impact. Mm. That's a relatively easy problem to solve. Mm. I think for everyone watching this, uh, I think that the main most important problem is think of the millions of people that could be starting something. And in a couple of years, facing that problem of how do I scale this from I'm comfortable now to I'm ridiculously wealthy now, yeah, or whatever yeah, the yeah. goal you actually have is, uh, or I'm changing the world now. It's the, those millions of people are the opportunity in Australia and around the world. So everyone watching this, uh, firstly, thank you for watching. Uh, think about what you're doing. Uh, if you're not already doing something entrepreneurial, um, uh, is it something that makes sense in the future? Uh, how long are you going to wait? Um, how are you going to feel if you see other people doing the thing that you're thinking about doing? Um, this kind of regret minimization is a nice thing to think about of uh, what can you do today in lockdown if you're kind of doing less than you normally would or your manager is watching you a bit less than they normally would yeah. uh, or you're maybe unemployed or maybe thinking about changing your employment. Now's the time to do it. It's never been easier. The kind of resources that people have have never been more amazing. Uh, the, the scale of opportunities, the number of opportunities mm. uh, that are sitting, waiting for you on the device that you're watching this on, mm. if you decide to start to pursue something, is this ridiculous. And I think worth considering for anyone out there that's watching this. Um, or if that's not for you, think about all the people you know. Maybe your children could see this as a more normal thing from their parent or your friends or other people in your life. Mm -hmm. uh, are you encouraging other people that are trying something or are you saying, why would you do that when you had a good job at whatever? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a, the time to encourage and the time to encourage yourself mm -hmm. as well. And I think that, I think there's been some great examples of, of individuals and businesses being very uh, creative in their thinking and resourceful, resourceful, resourceful um, during the pandemic. Um, but yeah, yeah, you're right. But before I let you go, Murray, uh, uh, a fun skill or hobby that you've uh, you've developed during the pandemic? Um, uh, patience. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably the number one uh, thing. Of, uh, you can get anything done in in our kind of part of the world of encouraging entrepreneurs yeah. uh, and supporting entrepreneurs if you're patient, persistent, tolerant, and mm -hmm. you're there to support people when they need it. And now yeah. is the time to be. Uh, to have those skills and to be persevering and doing what we do. Um, I think this kind of environment we're in has damaged a lot of relationships mm -hmm. and professional relationships as well. Um, like I would much prefer uh, Luli to be at a large event with yourself or running some large campaign with yourself in, in the way that I know you do incredibly well in both wow. cases and other cases. And no, we're sitting on a Zoom chat instead, having a nice chat, but it's not the same. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, no. I just look forward to things coming back to normal and uh, us going at full speed again. It's going to feel wonderful if we're kind of patient and uh, prepared for those moments. Yeah, you're right, Murray. I mean, yeah, patience is definitely something we're all having to practice right now. But Murray, thank you very, very much. It's always a pleasure to, to chat with you, but you're right. I can't wait till we can do it in person. Looking forward to it. Thank <laughs> Cheers, you. Cheers, Murray.